Hello everyone, welcome to the fourth in our Conscious Fund series on psychedelic investment. I'm joined today by Eric Sloan from the Neo Exchange and we're going to be talking about some public markets and investment topics. Eric, thank you very much for joining us. Um, would you like to just tell the audience a little bit about you and also about the Neo itself? Henri, uh, pleasure and, and thank you very much for having me in uh, today. Looking forward to chatting with, with you and, and the crowd about uh, investing and, and psychedelics as well. Um, I'm our Chief Revenue Officer here at NEO. I've been with the organization now coming up on my, my eight-year uh, anniversary, so since since inception. Uh, and, and the NEO Exchange is Canada's newest Tier 1 or senior stock exchange uh, operational now for uh, six and a half years backed by some of Canada's largest pension plans, asset managers, and, and sell-side dealer organizations, really driving a, a transformational shift in the way that uh, stock exchanges operate and really bringing together investors, natural investors, asset managers, and uh, capital raising companies in the most efficient way possible in a service-oriented and, and friendly environment. Um, we're we're having a, a ton of fun here we're as i said you know six and a half years in we're 15 percent market share now in, in all canadian listed securities uh, we're home to 26 public companies uh, a long talked about uh, trend in, in SPACs and a growing roster uh, inside what we dub the innovation economy uh, side of of the uh, of the sector and uh, now choosing to list with neo as their stock exchange of choice Thank you very much. And just to pick up on something that you've just mentioned, broadly speaking, what is the difference between a senior and a junior exchange? That is a great question and, and a nuance that I'm, I'm sure many readers have been poking around on over time as they explore the industry and, and investment opportunities. Uh, a tier one or a senior exchange uh, is really what, what we would refer to as our, our main board markets. Uh, there's two in Canada, uh, NEO and the TSX. And if you look at their rules and, and regulations and, and ours as well, uh, that means that companies that list on a tier one exchange subject themselves to a higher level of, of scrutiny, regulatory oversight and, and standards. And that really shows up in, I'd say, a handful of, of key areas. Uh, for those obligations, you're looking at good governance, you're looking at independent board members, uh, an independent finance and audit committee. So things that you want to see in a, a public company that you've got independence there uh, looking over financials and kind of the company disclosure. Uh, you're looking at tighter disclosure deadlines on quarterly earnings reports uh, than, than you would on a, a venture market. Uh, you're also uh, looking at ultimately more more burden uh, from from the regulators and from markets on making sure that those companies are suitably uh, operating and, and disclosing to their shareholders uh, what's what's going on with the organization and, and how it's progressing. So disclosure, good governance, uh, big ones. Uh, as an exchange, you know we're we're also looking at higher listing standards. Uh, so how companies get access to public markets, uh, that the bar is higher. For us, you know, the, the one easy way to kind of look at it, uh, we're looking for companies that on, on one of our tiers are 50 million in market cap or, or greater. And, and as a result, you'll see, you know, larger companies tending to gravitate towards 
senior exchanges uh, because it also comes with some benefits. Uh, typically, larger companies attract larger investors. And, and what I mean by that specifically, you're looking at portfolio managers, you're looking at institutional investors, uh, index eligibility. Those are a few of the things that are the benefits of listing on a senior exchange or a tier one exchange that, that venture markets uh, don't, don't get to enjoy. And that's ultimately the, the benefit of adhering to those uh, higher standards. Thank you. And within, within the psychedelic medicine market, you are, from our perspective as a fund, and I think from other professional investors' perspectives, perceived as an elite exchange and much more selective when it comes to the companies that are listed. Do you think that's a fair reflection of how you see yourselves in the psychedelic medicine investment? It's, uh, it's, it's kind of you and, and thank you for the, the compliment. Uh, I, would, I would say this, you know, NEO's uh, mission and vision and our core principles being a, a service-oriented uh, value for, for money and partner-oriented market uh, show up across segments, uh, not just psychedelics, but in, in every uh, sector we operate. And we, we show up that way when we're working with our, our public companies, trying to help them navigate the pathway to public markets. Uh, I would say psychedelics is, is certainly the area of the industry we've perhaps received the most notoriety for uh, on account of uh, having the first neuropharmaceutical company in my medicine uh, affect a reverse takeover and, and choose to list uh, with NEO now just over a year ago, actually. And obviously the, the retail investor and financial advisors and, and many others now are, are taking notice of, of MindMed's listing. They're one of our larger uh, market cap companies uh, now listed on NEO. And, and I would say we've had the great benefit of uh, observing their trajectory and, and pathway and kind of setting the stage uh, for us as an exchange. Um, what I would add to that, you know, and, and as much as I appreciate the accolades as well for us, success isn't necessarily about the world knowing who NEO is. Uh, for us, success is having high quality, reputable companies choosing to list with NEO and by extension, uh, we're attached to that success and brand and vision and, and MindMed's been a, a phenomenal uh, leader in the space and, and bringing us uh, along with them. Uh, you've seen a few others follow. Uh, Cybin is is there now. We've got uh, Midasine that has gone through an uplisting. Uh, but to your earlier question, Henri, leaving uh, the venture markets and, and upgrading uh, their, their listing to a tier one market in Canada. It's a critical part of the, the journey, I think. You know, companies naturally want to grow. They want to expand their business, expand their reach. And uh, on, on occasion, you know, moving to a, a tier one market is that next natural progression. And we're, we're very grateful, obviously, for their, their support in, in coming to our exchange. Thank you. And in terms of progression, do you see the NEO as a stage en route to a NASDAQ uplisting? Is that, is that something that happens naturally? Are you a bridge between the Canadian and the U.S. markets in that sense? Uh, direct answer, yes. Uh, and I, I think, you know, when, when you look at Canadian capital markets, uh, we've got a lot of phenomenal companies, a lot of great players between our, our banking and, and legal communities, wealth management, financial advisors that love uh, some of these high growth, scalable, uh, in some cases startups, in some cases mid-growth, uh, higher risk sectors. 
And it, it's a great economy uh, to deliver uh, some of these quality companies into the public markets. Uh, but at some stage, and, and like many uh, larger Canadian organizations, you, know, you tap out on, on Canadian capital markets and you need access to a broader and, and more diverse uh, capital base to continue to scale and expand your business. And in some cases, you want to expand as a company into uh, U.S. operations. So it, it also makes sense to raise capital in the markets you're, you're operating. Uh, NEO's listing standards are our tier one status as an exchange certainly uh, a portable option. Uh, there is no such thing as a, a fast track into global markets. Every exchange will review and, and conduct their own due diligence on companies to uh, understand their, their business, their capabilities and, and check on suitability as would we for any international company listed on a recognized exchange coming to NEO. Uh, but there is uh, some, some comfort, I suppose, in, in portability of those standards where we're asking for some of the same things I mentioned earlier about good, good governance. Uh, I think we'd be, uh, and I know we are, very supportive uh, of the uplisting uh, pathway in Canada and then having our companies get dual listed on international markets. Uh, you think about what it brings to their business. It's a wider range of investors to work with. It's more liquidity in the stock. It's more trading action. It's more visibility, uh, ultimately, across uh, a broader uh, base of investors that is only standing to benefit the company. So we, we would always be supportive of that mandate, whether it's US, uh, UK, in, in Europe, uh, wherever our, our tier one uh, peers sit, uh, very supportive of that pathway. Thank you. And in terms of the mix of investors that buy stock on the NEO, is it a broad mixture? Are there venture funds, hedge funds, family offices, high net worths, retail investors? Is it a very broad bag or would you say it's skewed more towards institutions? Great, great, great question. Uh, the, the short answer uh, on that, you know, we have access to every Canadian IROC dealer, which represents both the financial advisory community in, in Canada and abroad. Uh, they also represent the family office investment community. In, in our world of, of exchanges, every investor has to come through a registered IROC dealer in Canada somehow before they get to us. So for international users, for Canadian users, they all uh, direct their order flow through uh, IROC dealers. And as a result, when we launched NEO six and a half years ago, we immediately had access to the entire Canadian investment community uh, to trade on our exchange. Now, obviously, uh, if you look at our, our listings business uh, and speaking about psychedelics a bit as well, we, we maybe saw it uh, most prevalent there with the Horizons uh, psychedelics ETF launch. Some products are naturally geared towards retail investors more so than, than others. And you'll see, uh, you know, that the usual retail forums, Twitter, Reddit and social media kind of getting involved and active in, in trading stock. And there obviously it becomes very clear who's who's prevalent and buying and, and selling securities listed on NEO. Uh, but there are a good number of, uh, I'd say, larger portfolio management or institutional uh, managers that run funds or, or invest in NEO public companies. And that'll show up in larger trades, allocations or, or block flow into securities. And so as an exchange, you know, we've got access to the entire universe. Uh, very fortunate for it, uh, whether it's Canadian, US, international, uh, it's, it's a true mix on our market. Uh, but maybe one thing to call out as a differentiator versus the, the global uh, stock market peers we, we compete against, 
Uh, Neo as an exchange is, uh, as I mentioned at the onset of our, our discussion, a stock exchange built for and uh, owned by majority buy side uh, institutional and, and long-term investors, stakeholders. So we built uh, our exchange uh, to make sure that we level the playing field for natural investors in the community. And as a result, we, we tend to attract, uh, I'd say a, a larger proportion of natural investor trading flow because of the way that we've built uh, our, our trading engine. Thank you. And do you think that balance is different with a junior, are the junior exchanges more stacked with smaller, I guess, retail investors compared to a senior exchange? Is that a differentiator? I, I would say that access is the same, but do you tend to see retail uh, investors in junior stocks more often? I suppose that's uh, a natural uh, evolution. They're typically uh, more speculative, they're trading in, in smaller amounts, uh, liquidity also in, in smaller stocks can be a challenge. So you, you have to kind of match the company's liquidity profile with its investor base. You know, if, if companies don't trade much, uh, it can become an issue to attract large scale investors, which I, I think feeds a bit into the index discussion. You're looking for a certain number of average daily value or volume traded in order for those larger buyers to come into the market and participate uh, in some of these companies. And that can be hard to do uh, in, in venture stocks because they may not trade as much or they may be extremely volatile or in uh, perhaps leading edge uh, sectors that the rest of the market hasn't recognized yet. That's typically where retail uh, tends to have some fun in, in the early days of a business. And, cannabis as well was perhaps a good demonstration of a retail driven sector until it's it's started to earn its way into more of a portfolio management or institutional crowd as it matures and upgrades its business as well thank you and in, in terms of the future of the exchange vis-a-vis -vis psychedelic medicine are you anticipating a lot more listings this year as for example, the CSE, I saw their projected list of RTOs and IPOs, and it was actually staggeringly lengthy. Are you going to, you know, predicting an expansion, or do you think you'll see steady growth? Yeah. Um, match what happened last year. It's uh, it's actually been a very fun, I'd say, six months. Uh, you know, on account of the the pandemic uh, that started in in March of last year. You know, obviously first priority for us as an organization keep keep everyone safe keep the lights on and uh, don't take any uh, unnecessary uh, risks and i think you saw the whole street largely the capital markets uh, broadly take uh, a bit of a backseat approach on new business and everybody's uh, kind of capital markets plans more or less shelved for the first half of of last year um our, our last kind of listing uh before the pandemic started was was actually MindMed. And uh, it, was, it was a very interesting time to see them walk out in the public markets. Uh, but by the time the fall rolled around, uh, we started to see the street wake up. Bankers, lawyers, companies, some of these reverse takeover uh, opportunities started to present themselves. And I would say in, in August, uh, it has been a, a breakneck pace across all different sectors of our business. I would say to you to answer the question directly, 
Uh, we're expecting a pretty significant expansion in our corporate listings business. We're sitting at 26 uh, right now. I would love love to see that number double before the end of the year. I think we're likely to uh, exceed that. And you know, a reminder as well, we're looking for senior companies. Uh, the, the universe of issuers that are ready to be on a, a senior exchange automatically shrinks uh, a little bit as, as companies determine when and where they will be eligible to go public. But uh, short answer, very busy uh, remaining through Q1 this year. Q2 looking no different. Uh, we're, we're very excited for what's to follow. And more importantly, I think starting to see some diversity. Uh, I think that the markets last year were very heavily focused on on cannabis. Psychedelics had uh, a phenomenal uh, go through Q4. You're starting to see more companies in, in Q1 as well. So I expect to see that continue. I think tech uh, is certainly catching everybody's attention. It's certainly in, in Q1. We had six in a row uh, in the technology space through the first quarter. And, and I would expect to see more uh, bluntly where it's going to be a busy, uh, busy 2021. Thank you. And touching on the point that you've made about kind of market cap and valuation and this necessity for size um, to list on the NEO, where you've got venture capital backed companies or relatively early stage companies, particularly in an industry like psychedelics, where they won't generate revenue in some cases for six or seven years because of the time needed to bring a drug to market. How do you benchmark that valuation level? Do you do it with reference to earlier venture-led rounds? Do you do it by comparison? What what kind of metrics do you use for companies that are pre-revenue? Uh, that, that's a great question, and, and there is uh, a bit of method uh, to it, of course. We would certainly be looking at all material previous financing rounds before a company went public uh, or, or applied to go public on, on NEO to ensure that there are uh, both preceding uh, rounds, suitable growth of the company, and uh, the important thing for us, uh, kind of the politest way to put it, you know, selling uh, high-priced rounds to a very limited or small group of, of people before going public to justify it won't, won't cut it. Uh, we're looking for broad distribution, uh, bigger group of shareholders coming in. Those are all things that we would look for in evaluating previous financing rounds as a company is looking to go public. We, we want to make sure the price is justifiable. Uh, ultimately, there's, in our eyes, nothing worse for a company uh, than going public, overstating perhaps uh, an IPO price, and then frankly, having to deal with the consequences once becoming uh, a public company afterwards where investors, uh, as, as public investors, bear the burden of uh, an overpriced stock. So we're, we're certainly looking for uh, justification on those valuations. We will be, uh, as a part of a, a listing application, working with with bankers and, and management to evaluate uh, the, the pricing that's, that's there and ensure that there's a, a reasonableness uh, attached. We're not the determining factor uh, ultimately, but we will certainly be looking at uh, all of those things and more as a part of evaluating a company's eligibility to qualify under those standards. That, wow. <laughs> it's a question that we're quite frequently asked by companies that come through um, either as portfolio companies or as incubated projects. They're always 
curious about the kind of the bare listing requirements, um, particularly on the senior exchange, mm -hmm. because that's often their imaginary target. That's the the dream really is to is to list on a senior exchange. Um, which brings me to my next question, which is, do you think the Canadian markets are getting <laughs> towards a point of saturation with psychedelics companies? Or are we still at the beginning of the beginning? In in my eyes, I, I think we're still uh, very early innings on, on psychedelics. Uh, in, in what we're seeing right now in both uh, the existing issuers in market today and, and those that are coming, uh, you know, you've got a lot of, got what, 20 or 30 companies now in, in the sector listed in Canada, maybe a, a few more. And you've got a pretty wide separation between uh, the, what I would dub kind of the, the larger cap names that have raised uh, a lot of capital and, and some of the newer entrants that are in their earlier stages of developing their, their business and business plan. And then obviously a long list of private companies today that uh, are looking for a public market uh, exit and, and growth strategy in, in due course. Um, I think similar to other new industries that have been created like, like cannabis, there's gonna be uh, some M&A, some acquisition activity that we're, we're no doubt uh, to see and uh, more announcements to follow as companies find uh, strategic private deals to wrap into their portfolio of companies and really deliver on the strategy in the business. But uh, no, I, I think to answer your, your question directly, there's gonna be uh, a lot more to come. Uh, many different ways to uh, attack the market, different types of drugs that, that are in various stages of development, whether it's uh, natural uh, bio uh, or biological uh, treatments or if it's synthetic. I think that's another trend that's starting to show up on, on the radar now as well as companies seek to find ways they can differentiate themselves uh, from amongst uh, the crowd, but more, more to come uh, for sure. Thank you. And we've noted, I guess, with slight self-interest without saying too much, that uh, you've now officially launched your GSPAC products. Um, could you talk a little bit about with uh, With distinct pleasure, and uh, thank, thank you for asking. You know, we um, Neo's earned a bit of a right as the SPAC market of choice uh, in Canada over the last two or three years. We've uh, listed over 10 SPACs now on, on NEO, uh, or actually 10 precisely, I should say, not to overstate it, uh, with billions of dollars in assets raised in the SPACs and, and many more in successful qualifying transactions. I think the two or three that are out in market now, you saw uh, Mercy Park uh, out with their transaction on Glasshouse, Series is working on one now with Parallel. So a number of big cannabis giants uh, that, that are emerging off of Neo Exchange listed SPAC vehicles. Um, one thing that's important to highlight, those SPACs are typically chasing a much larger segment of the market. And when you, you look at kind of the average market cap of current Neo SPACs, you're in that 250 to $300 million range, which means you're ultimately looking for a qualifying transaction that's at least half a billion in market cap and in many cases much larger uh, folks like subversive becoming uh, the parent company with with their first back was a, a billion dollar deal um, so that then leaves a very interesting segment of particularly the, the canadian and north american economy 
more or less untouchable by the traditional SPAC vehicle. And uh, what we've dubbed the innovation economy, you're looking at companies anywhere from you know 50 to probably 250, 300 million that can have a really compelling story and, and journey attached and uh, unreachable by these really cool SPAC vehicles. Uh, so we, we took a bit of time working with partners, with uh, lawyers, with bankers to create uh, a new vehicle in consultation with the industry that would uh, enable a smaller vehicle called our Growth Corporation or G Corp uh, for short to come out to market list and enable them to target these uh, small and, and mid-sized high growth stage companies in a variety of sectors it's sector agnostic uh, to help drive some of that mid-market uh, growth economy forward and enable them to have access to public markets through an, a neo exchange uh, listing so the the program went live today uh, we've got our first two early adopter filers in progress and i can promise you this uh, a number of very well qualified and interesting applications in queue and I'm, I'm very keen to share some announcements uh, with you and, and the audience in uh, short order as I expect to be able to share some more news. Fantastic. Yes, I'd love to have you back, um, particularly for certain projects um, as a crew. So, uh, yeah, I just want to kind of thank you very much for all the detail that you've given us and um, just for people that are more kind of curious about the operation of the NEO. Um, what is the domain name for the NEO exchange? So Brilliant. It's uh, neo.inc. And uh, if you find anything else whilst you're hunting on the internet, it'll all redirect you there. Uh, you know, a simple NEO stock exchange on Google will land you there. But neo.inc is going to be the fastest six letters you ever type on a keyboard. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Eric, and thank you to the audience for listening. Um, we'll see you next time for more on Psychedelic. Henry, thank you very much for having me.